I want to go very quickly to the word of God. It's out of the book of Jude that I will be coming from tonight. Jude. Now, if you ask me what chapter you're going to tell on yourself. <laughs> Jude. And um, I'm going to start at verse number one. Jude, verse number one is where I started. It is the custom of our church and reformation that we stand for the reading of God's word that proceeds to preach word. Somewhere in the standing, it makes us accountable to what we read. When you have it, I want you to signify by saying, I have the bread. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you. And peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ I will therefore put you in remembrance though you once knew this how that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt after destroyed them who believed not. I'm going to go really quickly for the sake of time to verse number 20. But ye beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Huh? Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior. Hallelujah. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. And all of God's people said, amen. Uh, share this with somebody. You can be seated. Tell them it still matters. All right. Thank you. You know, um, I have a little unique situation in my upbringing. I was raised in the house for four generations at one time. My great-grandparents, Daisy and William Johnson, who had moved away when my mother was young to Chester, Pennsylvania, they came back once they retired and lived in the house with my grandparents. So I had my great-grandparents who were a part of the, what they call the greatest generation. My grandparents, who sociologists would call the silent generation, my mother, who's a baby boomer, she is. And then myself, who they would label as Generation X. And that's as close to identifying my age as I'll get tonight, all right? I got to experience the transition of modern home conveniences. 
Believe it or not, I remember carrying water that was necessary for bathing and cooking. That's why even to this day, I don't run the shower for a long time before I get into it. I remember wood stoves and kerosene heaters. And going to school and somebody says, what's that smell? I remember, and I'm not that old, but I remember outside toilets. And before there were air mattresses, we had pallets on the floor. I'm not that old, but I do remember patting the gas before you crank the car. Well, get someone to push it so you can start it. I remember the changes in social programs. When food stamps weren't on a card, they were multicolored, monopoly-looking money that you could sell for real money. (laughs) Now, it ain't everybody's testimony, but I need some people to come out the shadows and shout, I remember. (laughs) Oh, really? Okay. All right. All right. Oh, we... We have to mention the changes in technology. Some of you young people are looking at me strange right now, but there was a time there were no cordless phones. If you wanted a private conversation, you had to make sure you had a phone that had a long cord. (laughs) So it won't many private conversations, right? A long cord, and and if you wanted uh, to make a dollar number before touch tone, it was... Mm. I went from playing war in the woods with rocks to playing Atari and Sega Genesis, Sonic the Hedgehog, even that Nintendo. And if the game froze, (laughs) also these changes did not escape our religious or our spiritual sectors. Haven't we advanced? Our churches were mostly storefronts, holiness churches down back roads. Our only central ad was a few window units accompanied by funeral home church fans. We have more expressions of worship than we've ever had before. Liturgical dancers. I remember that was very problematic. Drama ministries, Christian hip-hop, right? Gospel fitness workouts with long jeans, skirts, and tennis shoes. Amen. In times, there was a time in holiness in the Pentecostal, uh, classical Pentecostal apostolic movement where education was looked down upon. But now we've excelled and we have more degrees than a thermometer in our churches. We've excelled in the all halls of academia. In our churches, we have associates, bachelors, double masters, PhDs, and still yet speaking in tongues. We have more than we've ever had. But I want to lift to you that in all of our advancements, we have lost some things in transition. I might not be your favorite preacher this week, but I'm going to get through this. You see, God's church is transgenerational or cross-generational. God doesn't want a millennial church. When we gear everything to one generation, that means we're missing out on some generations. We have made it so much about millennials that we've almost forgot that there's a generation Z that's alive and well right now. We need the seasoned saints. 
I'm going to say it again because y'all are a little too quiet. I said, we still need the seasoned saints. We still need church mothers. We need the hoary heads and the gray beards. We need the wisdom. We need the guidance. We need the rebuke. We need the correction. Because in all of our advancements, because we have not stayed connected to our foundation, we've adopted false teachings. We have mixed worship that has caused us to have a master in doing church, but a poor grade in doing God. First Timothy chapter four says this. Now the spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart not from the church. That's the challenge. It didn't say they would depart from the church. It said they would depart from the faith. It's possible that we have people who are doing this, but they no longer believe this. Whoa. Some preachers is just a job. Some musicians is just a gig. There are some people who are culturally Pentecostal, but have never had a Pentecostal experience. They got a holy dance. They got a holy shout, but they don't have the Holy Ghost. Bible says they would depart from the faith, still operate, but they would have given heed to seducing spirits come on help me preachers and doctrines of devils growing up in Pentecost we can never be sure if we were saved <laughs> not Charles United Church of Jesus the one I grew up in you never can really be sure if you ask somebody, what do I need to do to be saved? It depended on who you ask. I didn't play basketball in school. I wanted to. I had practice. I had practice. I had practice. I had practice. But I got the Holy Ghost at the age of 12. And I'll never forget the day of basketball tryouts. It was like three weeks afterwards. And I told my grandmother to pray for me. She said, go over and ask Big Captain to pray for you. Big Captain was a sweet church mother who really had a relationship with God. And I went to Big Captain. I said, will you pray for me that I get on a basketball team? And Big Captain looked at me and said, well, people who got the Holy Ghost don't go to the games. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I went back to my grandmother. I said, Mama, Big Captain said, people who got the Holy Ghost don't go to the games. She said, well, you can't listen to everything Big Captain said. But I looked at my grandma and she was from the Baptist church and she had on pants, so I just went with what Big Captain said. What do I need to do to be saved? Have you come in strong apostolia? They told us that the plan of salvation is Acts chapter 2, verse 38, that you need to repent. And after you repent, you need to be baptized. But don't just be baptized any kind of way. Got to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And it was not enough for you to just testify you had the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost had to testify that you had the Holy Ghost. Then are you saved? Well, you're almost. Because if you really got what they said you got in Acts 2.38, it's going to change the way you dress. 
It's going to change the way you operate. It's going to change the way you act. You know, it depends on what church you came from. You, some of it was no television, long sleeve shirts, quarter length sleeves. Don't show your elbows at no given time. Mm. Then you got to make sure you pay your tithe. Because if you don't pay your tithes, you're cursed. And even though you've been baptized and you got filled with the Holy Ghost, that means it is just discounted all things. And don't forget, every time the doors of the church are open, you got to be here. Because the Bible says, forsake not the assembling together of the brethren. And if you don't show up now, we're going to question, did you really get what you said you got? And after you have tried that dot every I and crossed every T, one error or mistake, whether it's private or public, made you question whether you really had what you had. And after we have danced and shouted all over the room, the preacher would say, if the Lord would come back right now, how many of y'all know you would go? And we'd be like, uh. And after tarrying for weeks, you would always come back and tarry again, just in case. Our theology was very law-based. Our salvation often seemed like it was based solely upon what we did and not really what Christ did. But now we've progressed theologically. We now declare, by grace, we are saved through faith, not by works, lest what? Any man should boast. But now we live in a day that has went almost to the opposite end of the spectrum. We have now birthed this hyper grace theology that many in our day have embraced. This theology teaches because we are living under the dispensation of grace that the way we live no longer matters. Because where sin abound, they tell us grace much more abound. But Apostle Paul poses a question in Romans chapter 6 verse 1. Shall we continue in sin? I'm glad y'all already shouted. That grace may abound. God forbid. I need some prophets in here to holler back at me. How can we who are dead to sin live? Live any longer therein yes we are saved by grace but Jew tells us I got a right to you because there's some who've come in hallelujah and turned the grace of God into lasciviousness the saints are cleaning out the liquor store the saints have packed out the tattoo parlors the saints have run up pornography sales doing complication. Oh, my God. And I know what you're saying, Bishop. Don't come in here with that lost stuff tonight. And I'm not trying to put my conviction on you. I'm not trying to put my laws on you. I'm not trying to put my standard on you. I'm just asking, what is your standard? Because a standard that's not articulated is a standard that is not upheld. Mm. I know what you say. Bishop, I'm, I'm under grace. I'm free to do the things that I want to do. But the Bible says all things that are lawful. I wish I had a church here. It ain't expedient. I need you to look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, be very careful. 
that you don't turn your liberty into bondage. Be very careful. All things that you are free to do, it's not something that's needful for you to do. There's some things because of the assignment of God that's on your life, you must refrain. You can't lay hands on somebody from cancer with nicotine on your breath. You can't call somebody to be delivered from something you bound by. Somebody shout, it matters, it matters. Who leads praise and worship matters. Who lay hands on you, it matters. Who we make a deacon in the church, I don't care how much money they give, it matters. Whoever we ordain, it matters. Whoever we consecrate a bishop, it matters. Because whatever you elevate on the platform, you would duplicate in the pew. That's why the Bible says lay hands on no man suddenly. In other words, pastors, don't be so hungry for people that you ordain pollution. He says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. No, it's not the law of Moses, but I will put my laws into your hearts and I will write my laws upon your minds. I'm almost finished now. There's a revival that's coming. And there's a revival that's now. And this revival is going to come through reverence toward God. I need you to send the word down your tell them, make sacred things sacred again. Oh, hallelujah. Make sacred things sacred. Because many of our leaders are so tired and they're exhausted that they're just letting things go. There are prophets that have been intimidated by Jezebel and what people know about them so they've gotten silent. But I don't care if it's against your own children. Preach the truth. I don't care if it's against your own past. Preach the truth. Come out of that cave. Cry out and spat. Oh my. I said cry out and spat. Now, because a word that's not preached is a word that's not heard. And a word that's not heard is a word that's not lived. Climb up with a sign in your hand. Oh my shadow. So there's a revival that's coming and it is now. And it is now. And it ain't through our favorite preachers. It ain't through the best choir singing. What is revival? Revival is turning back to God. I need you to send the word down and tell them, let's go back to God. Let's go back. When it wasn't about who's leading, when it wasn't about who's on the organ, when it wasn't about who's over the service, because you know some people don't feel God unless it's their pastor preaching. And there's some people don't support unless they're over it. Let's go back to God. Oh, I need some, I need some travailers in here. I need some people in here to hear it in the Holy Ghost. Let's go back to God. There's a revival. I said, there's a revival. Hello, Moshe. There's a revival. Oh, my dear. Whew. Glory be to God. That's a revival. He's making us sensitive again. Hallelujah. Because we've become so desensitized. I said, we've become so desensitized that after a while, we don't see it no more. We don't hear it no more. And we go through the motions and we're trying to legislate the world. Oh my God, I don't want to get on that tonight. Hallelujah, we're trying to legislate the world. 
Hey, glory be. I'm not trying to make America the church. I want the church to be the church. My God. He says, if my people mm, who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, 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 I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. I just need some honest people in here to come up out the corner and say, we as the church, we got some sins that need to be forgiven. We got some land that needs to be healed. Oh, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to make sacred things sacred again. When you go to Israel, and I, I take trips to Israel at least once a year, and I take pastors there, and we do teaching and we do training. I love the, the antiquity of Israel. I love the archaeology of the old cities in Jerusalem and how archaeology is consistently unfolding all the time. I've always marveled when I look at the Western Wall, which is the last remaining wall that would have been close to Herod's temple and where we would uh, declare is the holies of holies. And I am I'm mesmerized by the fact, Bishop, that without modern technology, without all of the technology that we have today, they were able to have stones perfect in size. And after thousands of years, everything is still in place. But if you ever go there and find the temple steps, which is of the steps of the second temple, they're still there in place. Still there, still there in place. These are the steps that Yeshua would have walked up while singing the Psalms of Ascension, coming from the Galilee, coming to worship. But when you get to the second temple steps, which are still there today, the same steps Jesus would have walked on, you would realize very quickly that those steps are not like these steps. These steps are even, but the steps to the second temple are uneven. Look at somebody tell them uneven steps. See, if you're one that exercise and you get your steps in, you realize that when you're walking up the steps in your home, you never look down. Looking down is not necessary because the contractor has made it so that the, the space between the first step and the second step is the same amount of space between the second step and the third step. And because of that, you can casually trot up the steps without looking. But if you ever encounter uneven steps, that means every step you make must be a careful step. And the psalmist left it on record when he asked the question, who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He that have clean hands, oh my God, and a pure heart. I need to look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, it matters. It matters what you did the night before, before you try to lead me into worship. It matters. It matters what you did. Oh, come on. It matters that your hands are clean. And that's what my prayer is, that God will bring us into a revival where we say, Lord, clean my hands. Lord, purify my heart. It, it matters. Finish. It, it, it matters. Because there used to be a time, young people, where we repented quickly. Then we started repenting slowly. Then we started repenting eventually. Then we stopped repenting at all. 
And not only do we sin, we can be wrong and strong. A spirit of rebellion where we won't hear nobody. Anytime you bring up other people's names when your sin is being confronted, that means you're not open to correction. And I don't know about y'all. I never want to get to a place where the Holy Ghost don't convict me. I need about 50 people in here to praise God for conviction. I may have said some things I shouldn't have said. I may have done some things I shouldn't have did. Oh, but I got it right with God. See, when you got the Holy Ghost for real, the Holy Ghost will make you go back and apologize. Don't just try to shout with me. Apologize to me. See, when you got the Holy Ghost for real, I'm telling you, there's a revival. There's, there's a revival that's coming up in the land that's coming up in our reformations. And I want to say this in this room because many have now coined the church as something as primitive as something that's antiquated. But I want to live to you that you ain't going to heaven without the church. All of y'all that say y'all do God, but y'all don't do church. At the end of the day, he's not coming back for you. He's coming back for the... I've come to tell all of y'all that got this mixed faith now. Well, you mix an anointing oil and sage. I come for it tonight. I'm talking about you that believe in prophecy and horoscopes. The devil is a liar. Tell your neighbor, stay in the church. Stay in the church. And I know what has happened. Some of us have been so exposed to people in the church. And leadership, maybe your parents were pastors. Maybe you watched somebody high up get divorced. And now you have PTSD spiritually. We are dealing now with the Thomas generation. Don't judge us. Don't judge us. We want to believe but we're at the place where we need to see something. And that's why I'm really asking that all of you who are prophetic, will you please purify your prophetic and stop making your prophecy look like a hustle? Because some of us have been in church so long, now when somebody say God said, we just kind of turn off now. But I want to know, is there anybody in here, after everything you've been through in church, you still believe? Tell somebody, I still believe in laying on hands. I still believe in anointing oil. I still believe in speaking in tongues. Do I got anybody in here? I still believe in having a pastor. I still believe in having a covering. I still believe in Bible study. I still believe in intercessory prayer. I still believe. <laughs> He said, after a while, we said, as long as my soul is saved. Now, I don't want to get, I don't want to get heavy theological debates in here because some of you may be a little bit more Calvinistic in your approach. 
and some of you are uh, eternal security on certain spectrums. And I know some of you feel like, you know, as long as you make a nice bulletin when somebody dies, that all of everybody go to heaven as long as you get Sister Veronica the same. But there's a way to sing right under man. And so I'm working out my salvation. Whew. With fear, with fear and trembling. And so I know we say it doesn't matter what I do with my body. When the Bible says, glorify God in your, in your mortal body. There's a revival that's coming, and it is now, but it's going to come by sacrifice. Maybe, maybe we don't need to keep, maybe we don't need to come up with any more robes. Maybe we don't need to pass out no more collars for a while. Because we are mastering wearing crosses around our neck, but not carrying a cross on our back. What has it cost you? Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, I know you're anointed. So what did it cost you? Look at somebody and tell them, I paid for this and I'm still making payments. I have to give up some stuff for the sake of my assignment. I have to walk away from some things for the sake of the calling on my life. And I count God worthy of it. Can I have a hundred people in this room to throw up your hands and shout, he's worthy of it. He's worthy of the sacrifice. My sacrifice for his sacrifice. My life for his life. I'm finished. There's, there's a revival that's coming and it is now. There's a revival that's coming and it is now. And this revival will not be produced through the Leslie of the Hammond organ or the click track of the computer. This, although, although some of our methods to many seems antiquated and primitive, for this latter move, we got to go for what's proven. If we really want the glory of God back in our churches, I'm not talking about something man fabricated because many people are having good church with Ichabod wrote across the wall. The ark of God would not be carried with a new cart. I felt some kind of way, Bishop. I felt some kind of way when I read the scripture that said when the ark began to slide off the cart, what did Uzzah do? He reached for it to keep it from falling and God killed him. I felt some kind of way because many of us have forgotten there are rules of engagement when it comes to worship. My God, I know all of y'all Talk about you losing your religion because popular culture and Facebook said it. But you better go back and get your religion. James chapter 1 says pure religion is serving others and keeping yourself unspotted from the world. When you say you're religious, that means you believe that as a proper way of approaching God. 
And many of us in our generation, I don't know why, I'm sorry, this is what God gave me tonight. Many of us in our generation braggadociously with pride that says only God can judge me. But what you need to remember, one of these days he will. And he killed us with good intentions but wrong methods. Lord begin to show me that Uzzah was operating in pride. Uzzah was operating in pride. I know on the surface it don't look like it. But he was operating in pride, mother. Because Uzzah in his mind considered that his hands were cleaner than the ground. And in this hour, God said, I'm not going to let flesh touch my glory. Anybody who think the church won't move unless you're serving, you're going to be misunderstood in this hour. Because to every Moses, God got a Joshua. To every Elijah, God's got an Elisha. God is going to get his glory with you or without you. I need you to look at somebody and tell them, you better thank God for your place in the building. Because there's a revival that's coming and it is. Oh my God. Hallelujah. He said, no, 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 no. This glory will not be pushed on a cart. God said, I'm purifying a generation of Levites. Hallelujah. I need about 75 prophetic intercessors to feel this word in your spirit. God said, this thing won't be pushed on a cart. It's going to be carried on your shoulder. And that's why some of you have gone through so much warfare in this last season. And the enemy has made you almost consider that maybe you need to resign. Or maybe you need to let somebody else do it. Some of you have been going through so much mental warfare. And I want you to know that the only reason why you've been dealing with this warfare is because you've been deputized in this season to be a glory carrier you don't have to be man's choice you're God's choice I need about a hundred people to open up your mouth in this room I need to hear the sound of some glory carriers says you don't have to ordain me but I want the glory I don't have to have the microphone but I want the glory I want to see God move in my church again we've become nostalgic about the past and we said we ain't had church like we used to have when bishop so-and-so was alive oh lord how god used to move when mother so-and-so used to pray i'm gonna say something that's gonna offend at least 25 percent of y'all in here i believe that the best of our church is in front of us I told y'all a good 25. I said, I believe the best of the church. I believe there are going to be miracles like we've never seen before. I believe the anointing is going to flow like never before. I believe there's a harvest that's getting ready to come to the church. And every soul is going to matter. I believe that's getting ready to be a great move of God. I need to hear the sound of the church that believe it matters because of what's coming. I believe it's coming. I need you to send the word down. Tell them God is not finished with you yet. God is not finished. I don't care if you eight years old. I don't care if you 80 years old. God is not finished with you yet. And the prophecy will be fulfilled that the young and the old will dance together. God is not finished with you. There's a wind that's getting ready to blow. There's a sound of revival. And some of you are going to dance like you've never danced before. Some of you get ready to pray like you've never prayed before. Some of you 
get ready to preach like you've never preached before. I need somebody to lift up a sound in this room because there's a wind of revival that's coming to United Church of Jesus Christ. I said there's a wind of revival that's coming to this region. Somebody cast your voice in this atmosphere. Oh, God. I believe that. Listen. Lift up those hands. This is not the sermon I wanted to preach. This is the sermon that God put in my spirit. Because after a while, we start operating and doing ministry on autopilot. English. Oh. I said, we start doing ministry on autopilot. I need you to look at somebody near you. Tell them just because you're tired don't mean you get to quit. Hallelujah. If you close your mouth, what will happen to the destiny of your lost family members? If you close your mouth, what's going to happen to the future of your church? If you close if you're comfortable, I want you to lift up your hands and let the Lord anoint your hands. Lord, cleanse our hands. Stir these hands up with gifts of healing again. Stir these hands with gifts of miracles again. Hey, 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 hey. Put the blessings in these hands to be released again. Anoint these hands to stir gifts that are laying dormant on people around me. I thought the problem with my ministry was my leader. But Lord, stir my hands again. Come on, let them anoint him. And the Bible says, building up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Everybody in this room, if you got a prayer language, you ain't got to work it up. You should be there right now. Just release it in this atmosphere. Oh. Hey, this is Bishop S.Y. Younger. Thank you for watching this video. And now what I need you to do is like and subscribe to this YouTube channel so you can continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and gospel content in your direction.